Lord be with you. Try this one. God is good all the time. One more for you. Glory to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory to him forever. Glory to Jesus Christ. Awesome. It is so wonderful to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, for those of you who I haven't got to meet yet, uh, allow me to briefly introduce myself. My name is Bishop Ryan Mackey. Um, and believe it or not, uh, I have taught at this college since 2006 uh, in some way, shape, or form, and believe it or not, beyond that, I'm actually an alum of this school um, way, way back when. Um, the walls were a different color in the chapel back then. Some of you may remember that. Um, but it's an honor to be here. I want to thank Pastor Zach for asking me uh, to come and to share this day with you. So this day, this week, um, I was sharing with the band beforehand. This week is one of my absolute favorites in the entire uh, year, and especially in the church calendar. Um, not because what some of you may be thinking of uh, based upon your, your uh, color choice for today in Valentine's Day, but because today is Ash Wednesday and this week starts the season of Lent. And um, what I've been asked to, to share with you briefly uh, this morning is a little bit of uh, of about Lent and the why we as Christians observe this. And then at the end, um, we're actually going to observe uh, the beginning of, of the Lenten season um, and partake of uh, the ashes that are um, here on the table before us. So I realize that I might be preaching to the choir a little bit in terms of several of you probably already knowing about Lent and uh, even Ash Wednesday as a whole. But one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure that the church understands that the church is the church, period. I mean, y'all are wearing trousers, some of you right now. I hope you're all wearing something on the bottom half. But not all of you are wearing the same brand of trousers. Some of you might be wearing different types of jeans, shorts, sweats, whatever it may be. But you're not all wearing the same thing, and yet you're all doing, you've got the same thing, the same function, the same purpose. Might I suggest to us that we as a church are the same way. I don't care what your, what your denominational brand name is. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If so, you are my brother, you are my sister. And further to the point, this season of Lent and this day of Ash Wednesday is not something that is the possession of one minuscule particular slice of the church. If you go back and you do, and you do your histories, and I will make my apologies to Dr. Cromwell and Dr. Anderson and to Pastor Zach as well, if I get it wrong, you can go, they can correct me later. Um, but the church has been fasting, has been observing times of fasting in some way, shape, or form since the beginning. So um, I on uh, Spotify, I do the uh, audio Bible. And this morning, one of the chapters I listened to was Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus says that while the bridegroom's here, you don't fast, but later on, they will fast. And one of the gospel readings that's offered for today says, Jesus says, when you fast, do this. So there's an expectation that this has happened, and particularly around this time of year, if you rewind into the pages of history, you'll find that it started with just the week prior to Easter, and people would fast for that week. And then in imitating Christ, 40 days in the wilderness, as he started his public ministry, it got spaced out to 40 days then. Now as to how you count it, some people count it differently. Um, some people say, well, it starts on Ash Wednesday and, you know, it rolls all the way till Easter. And if you do your math, then you'll find that that's more than 40 days. So some people take 
Sundays off uh, or lessen the fast, or some do it until Holy Week. The point is when you fast. And you might be thinking, okay, so what do I fast? What does that mean? Well, this is something that I recommend that people talk to their pastor, a spiritual elder, a spiritual director, somebody about. You know, it's not always just about food, but it's about what are those things that we have allowed to take ownership of our lives. I mean, some of you just be, well, I just left my phone down there. Good for me. I would say some of you, it's, you know, it may be having something to do with, with uh, social media, with screen time, with something like that. Some of you, and I mean, again, I said I teach at this college. I'm across the street in the music building in the CCM Center. For some of you, it might be the music you listen to or the movies you watch or the games you play or even the company you keep. Whatever that might be that the Lord's speaking to you, observe that. Observe that. So the church at the very beginning has always been about this. And it's not just about giving up food. And it's not, and that's, that's you know, I grew up in a, in a time and era when it was, people would say that they were fasting a particular thing for Lent. So the big one I usually heard was chocolate, giving up chocolate for Lent. Um, shortly after I was uh, ordained as a priest, um, I gave up coffee for Lent, which my boss said was a bad idea. I wasn't allowed to do that one again. Um, uh, but the, uh, uh, the idea is, what do we need to do to, to hone our focus? And in, um, in the gospel lesson that's actually going to get used at my parish uh, later today for service, Jesus says there's three things. There's prayer, there's fasting, and there's almsgiving. So prayer, can I just encourage you? You don't necessarily need to do like what, again, uh, forgiveness, I know where I'm at. You don't need to do like John Wesley did and spend three or four hours a day in prayer. I learned some, so my wife and I lived for about 17 and a half months in northern England, um, actually right during the pandemic, which was interesting. I'm just going to put it that way. And I realized why John Wesley was able to get up and pray for so many hours before he started his day. In the summertime, the sun rise, starts rising at 3.45 in the morning because we're so far north. So I was like, okay, now I get it. Now I'm tracking John. But then again, the sun in the wintertime sets at like 3.45 in the afternoon. So you go to bed earlier, you know, days before electric lights. So it's not just about how long you pray, but it's about what you pray. And can I offer you the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray, the Our Father. That is like the earliest prayer rules that were out there were pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Now look, I don't know what you do in your day, but I'm going to guess you can carve out a grand total of 90 seconds spaced out in 30-second intervals throughout your day to pray the Lord's Prayer. You can do it while you're walking to class. You can do it while you're driving to work. You can do it as you go about your day. But to pause for just 30 seconds and to offer the, the prayer that Jesus handed us is the, would be the basis for any of that. And use that as a time to pray for people. Pray for your parents. Pray for your roommates. Some of you may really want to pray for your roommates. You know, pray for your friends. Pray for your spouse, those of you who are married. Um, pray for this school. Pray for this country. Um, when we do what's called a, a litany um, in some of our services, we've got all these different people that we pray for. We pray for people who are in their armed forces. We pray for those who are traveling. We pray for the sick. We pray for the suffering. We pray for those who are dying. We pray for widows and orphans and those who are outcasts, immigrants. And the list goes on and on and on. There's no end to the people who need prayer. And some of them are probably people that you know. And my guess is that they're people who are sitting right next to you right now. So people think that it has to be this big, long, superfluous, you use a prayer book and you spend three hours doing it. No. It's the prayer of the everyday life. It's the prayer of the rhythm that we live in. Okay. 
that is the prayer life that's meaningful. And the second thing, as I mentioned, is fasting. So when you do this, Jesus says that you're not supposed to, like, make it obvious that you're fasting. You know, you don't go around with, like, bragging to people about what you're doing or how you're doing things and, and the struggle necessarily that you're having. It's not to say you don't talk to someone about it. Obviously, in this day and age where a lot of people are concerned about not just physical health but emotional health and mental health, might I suggest that this is a great time to walk through struggles, not just physically but mentally and emotionally, spiritually. This is a beautiful time to find our way back to God if we have walked away or if we have strayed or if we have erred in some way, shape, or form. The three Sundays, ooh, that just got really rainy. The three Sundays prior to this, um, in some of the readings that the church has historically used, three Sundays ago, it was the story of uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. You familiar with this story? So Pharisee and a tax collector are standing before God in the temple, and the Pharisee, who's this religious leader, stands there and thanks God that he's not like all these different people showing his prejudice, um, and, he, and then he, you know, it's like, and I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector, this guy who's like scum of the earth. By the way, just in case you didn't know, back in, back in Jesus' times, you read this in the New Testament, it says they talk about tax collectors and sinners. So tax collectors had their own bracket of sin. And this tax collector's over here, again, Pharisee, righteous guy, all this. The tax collector, scripture says, um, couldn't even lift his head but said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus asked the question, which two of these two do you think went away justified? Two Sundays ago, it was, and this is one of my absolute favorites, is the story of the prodigal son. In the story of the prodigal son, a man has two sons, an older son, younger son, obviously. And the younger son comes to the father and says, give me my inheritance now. In Jewish culture, that basically means, I don't care about you. Basically, it's like, I wish you were dead. Because you wouldn't get your inheritance until after the father passed. And so if you read the story, it says that the, the younger son went off into a distant country and spent his uh, money on, on, um, on debauchery, on riotous living. And he's serving in, uh, for a pig farmer in a pig pen. And it says one day that he came to himself and he realized that uh, the servants in his father's house had better food, had clothes, had a place to live. And he was out here sleeping with the pigs and eating their slop. He'd never slopped hogs before. You didn't want to eat that stuff. And that's where he had gotten to. And so he rehearses this big old speech in his head, and he goes, he goes back to his father's house. And scripture says that the father s was looking for him and saw him a ways off and ran to him and embraced him and, and hugged him. And, and the son starts in on his speech, and the father cuts him off and says, no, 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 you know, go and get the robe go and prepare the fatted calf. My son who was dead is now alive. And this past Sunday, it was a story of the last judgment. What will come at the, end, at the end of all this? And in the case of each one of those, and I know it may seem really weird to say, okay, Pharisee and a tax collector, prodigal son, last judgment, how can you find the love of God in the midst of all of that? And the reality is that it's the love of God is so saturated in the middle of all of this. It's about reconciliation. It's about bringing us back from where we were. It's about treating us better than we treated God. It's about giving us the love and mercy and grace that can only come from God. Now, I know some people in here, and they're people that I, I know and love very dearly. And yet, the love that they have for me and the love I have for them is, is dwarfed by the love that God has for each 
And so when we, when we come into this season, it's not just about repentance. Repentance should be part of it. But it's also about reconciliation. It's about love. And this season of Lent in the history of the church was also used as a time when people would be restored back into the fellowship. It was a time when people who society thought were totally on the outs, the church looked for a way to bring them back in and to reconcile them. I was doing some reading recently, and I, f- I found this um, quote from an author I particularly like. And I think it sums up this day and this season pretty well. Before I, before I uh, offer this, I just want to point out the fact that um, the elements that are up here, the ash, the oil, and the water, speak the same story. The ash, obviously, is a sign of repentance. The oil is always associated with the Holy Spirit and the joy. Matter of fact, uh, the vial here has um, of oil has frankincense and myrrh in it. So it's talking about Christ's passion, but it's also called the oil of gladness. And the oil of gladness. So check this out. Come, therefore, my Christian brothers and sisters, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, come to the Lord. Let us return well from where we have badly strayed. Behold the righteous judge and loving Father who is eager to forgive us our sins. Eager, he's waiting. Behold the Lord who is ready to erase our debts. Behold the Savior who raises his arms to lead us into paradise, to give us rest, removing the burden of our sins and granting us peace and fullness of life. Let us take up his yoke. The yoke of the Lord is good and light. Let us hasten as long as there is time, as long as the portal of of the eternal is still open, as long as the bridegroom is still inviting us to enter into the marriage feast. Let us not delay this from day to day, for we do not know what the next day will bring. Let us approach the Lord confessing our sins to him who is ready to forgive our sins, to embrace us as a loving father, and to provide peaceful rest to our souls. that's what this day and this season is all about it is about trying to strip away those things from ourselves but allowing God even further from us those things that would come against him for those of you who may remember um, there's a scene in one of the books from Chronicles of Narnia uh, where the young boy Edmund has become a dragon and uh, uh, he tries and tries and tries to peel off the dragon skin from his from his body, tries to remove the scales with his own claws and he can't do it and Aslan comes to him and says, you must let me remove the skin Aslan, he's a type of Jesus and so Aslan takes with his own claws and peels the skin off of this dragon until all that's revealed beneath is the flesh of this young boy perfect, clean, spotless without a sign of scaling or any of what he had transformed into. Today is that day for us as well. There's an old saying about um, confession, and some of you may have gone through like the sacramental act of confession with a priest or a pastor or a bishop. It says that all may, and none must, but some should. It's something that's open to all people. Now again, some of your traditions, mine included, have this as part of it. Um, I would just offer to those of you who 
come from traditions that don't have sacrament of confession, but if you're interested in it, talk to Pastor Zach and he'll talk to me and we'll get something else if you want to do that during the Sunday series. Not much, but some should. It's a good idea. It's a good idea to go before the Lord and confess your sins. I tell people the reason that I'm in there is so that I can be in agreement with you. And so that if you go back to that thing and you start doubting, I can say, no, 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 no. You buried that thing. You confess that before the Lord. I bore witness to it. That's dead. You got to leave that be. You can't go back to it. And so uh, today here in a few moments, uh, we're going to transition over into um, receiving uh, the ashes. Pastor Zach and I are going to administer that. And um, here's, here's my challenge. Uh, come forward with an expectation. Come forward with what you would like uh, to know the Lord to do for you, in you, during this time. Now here's the other bit, and I've cleared this with Pastor Zach. Um, and nobody can move until I tell you. Um, this is not compulsory. And for those of you who don't wish to participate in this, you are going to get to leave. But again, not till I say. For those of you who would like to receive the imposition of ashes um, and uh, also uh, we'll have the altar area open for you to pray, um, in a few moments I'll, I'll invite you up um, to do that. And for those of you who are on uh, the, uh, the east side here, um, you can come up and one of us will be here and then you know, kind of split to the other side. Um, this is a moment that takes takes a lot of humility it takes a lot of humility to confess your sins and yet in this moment you're the ones confessing your sins to God Pastor Zach and I are just being in agreement with you and you'll hear something like this when we put the ashes on your head you'll hear something along the lines of remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return repent believe the gospel or you might hear something like Jesus said whoever will deny himself must take up his cross and follow me receive the sign of our God and Savior Jesus Christ and then go on your own way. Whichever one you hear, I pray that you would hold whatever whatever sin or whatever thing that you're holding in your heart today, that you offer that up to the Lord and you allow Him to do the work. We do our part by offering it before the Lord and however He deals with it, He deals with it. And we have to trust Him. Thank you. 